Well, I want to welcome everyone who is a part of our Pathway Church family, and that includes those of you who are new today. As we continue in our series one at a time, I want to welcome you no matter what location you're watching at, if you're watching us online, as we continue in this series. And I've loved this series. It has been personally challenging for me because it's something that I really need to hear is really the gospel and following Jesus in a very simple way. Now, when I played basketball, simple was not my goal. I was fancy, like put it between the legs, all of those things. But you know what happens a lot of times when you're fancy is you dribble it off your foot. And so what this series is really about is the simplicity of what God calls us to do and who we are as we follow Jesus. It is really the fundamentals of what Jesus calls his followers to be and that is in this one-at-a-time lifestyle. Now, as we think about what God wants us to do, I think sometimes it's kind of hard to know, isn't it? Like, I think a lot of times we're kind of confused, like, what is God calling me to do today? What is he calling me to do with my life? And sometimes we get stuck and we get really paralyzed with questions like this. But, you know, I was thinking this week about a moment where it was so clear what I must do. You've had moments in your life like that as well where it was just like in a moment you didn't have to think. You just knew you had to do it, and it was clear. And for me, one of the most clear moments I've ever had is when I was in my 20s, and I was actually kind of being a small group leader for a group of little boys. They were about seven or eight years old. My cousin was one of them. And we had a pool party. And so this was really the first time I'd ever been responsible for small children. And my wife would tell you to this day, you still shouldn't trust me with small children, but especially not 20-year-old me. It was terrifying. And so as we're at this pool party, I was talking to the guys before we went there. And one of, one of them shared with me, he goes, you know, I can't swim. I've got to stay in the shallow end. I can't swim. And so about an hour into this pool party, I see this little fella like horsing around by the pool, and I watch him take a big step backwards into the deep end of the pool. And I'm telling you, I have never seen a human being sink so fast as that little guy sunk. Like, it was like he was gone. Now, this is a crisis moment. I knew he couldn't swim. And I look up, and the lifeguards obviously are the ones that should save this child, right? How many of you would agree the lifeguards should save this child? Well, I witnessed two, I mean, well-meaning. I don't want to defame them. If you're here and you remember this moment, no, I don't mean anything by this, but these two 15-year-olds, I think, stood up and started yelling for the manager to come out. And this kid is going deeper and deeper into the pool. It's like everybody's just watching. And so what do I do? I channel David Hasselhoff. I've never had any lifeguard training, but I just know what has to be done. And I jump into the pool, close on. And I go down and I grab this little fella and I bring him up to the surface. I mean, I, he's, he's breathing, I can tell. Put him up there, people drag him out of the pool. 
And I mean, I was a hero that day. It was amazing. I got out of the water, and I was really concerned about this little guy that I had responsibility for. And I had so many people ask me, why didn't I let the lifeguards save the kid? And I just simply looked at him and I said, when there's a kid on the bottom of the pool, it was obvious what needed to be done, wasn't it? It was obvious. But the obvious people didn't do anything. And it wasn't just them. There were adults all over just looking at each other, freaking out, and nobody thought, let's get in the water and go get this kid. Now, I think for you and I, it's like when we think about the obvious thing that has to be done, sometimes we actually see it. But, you know, in that moment, it was so clear to me what had to be done. But, you know, the rest of my life, things haven't been as clear what has to be done. Because so many times I get in this mode of asking questions like this how can I make a difference in the world right have you ever thought about that it's like when you see the state of our world you're like I, I want to make a difference but the problems look too big or maybe you talk about the problems a lot how many of you like to complain about the problems of this world I'd love to do that Right, sit around, let's complain about them, and then you know what happens? It's nothing until we start complaining about them again. You see, so many times we're so fixated on these big picture problems that we forget who we are in Jesus and really what Jesus calls you and I to do. I really don't think Jesus is calling you and I to fix the problems of hunger for this entire world. I don't think he's calling you and I to really tackle the problem of fatherlessness in our country. How would we even do that at this point, right? These big problems, how can we even make a difference? And so a lot of times we stand on the sidelines, we walk around people, and we just talk about and complain about the problems. But you know, when we think about the one-at-a-time lifestyle that Jesus calls us to, he really shows us how to live. And today we're going to look at a very famous parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now my guess is, whether you've been a part of church your entire life or you're brand new, you're like, you've heard this phrase, the Good Samaritan. It's kind of a funny phrase for this parable because actually the person that Jesus tells this story, he did not think Samaritans were good at all. And inside of this story, we're going to discover the power of one at a time and what Jesus really calls us to do. And so I want to invite you right now, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, and we're actually going to start with verse 29. You can turn in your Pathway Church app or you can open up your Bibles. You can also follow along on the screen as we dig in to this story. But this story all kicks off with an expert in the law. 
a Pharisee, an expert in the law, asking Jesus questions. Now, whenever these guys would ask Jesus questions, they're trying to catch him. They're trying to be like, ah, see, I got you now. It's those I got you moments. And this expert in the law, he asked Jesus a question, maybe a question you and I have had. I bet most of us have had it. Is how do I inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus, I think he's a little, some of you might be a little turned off by this, but he's a little ornery, but in a good way. He's like, he doesn't answer the question. He asks another question. He's looking at an expert in the law, and so he says, well, what does the law say? And so the expert in the law quotes the law. He says, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, you have answered correctly. Now, you would think this would be the end of it. But you see, he's wanting to catch Jesus. And so he asks him this question. And in Luke 10, 29, we get even his motive of asking this question. So the expert in the law, it says this, but he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to feel good about himself. He wanted to know that he was God's chosen. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? You see, when he asks this question, it doesn't have anything to do with the neighbor. It actually has to do with what he wants. Is He wants to know, Jesus, what can I do? Who do I have to serve so that I get what I want? So that I can have the status that I want? So that I look good? Like he wanted to look good. Some of us, we all like to look good, I think, right? You see, this guy wanted to look good. Is that a sin? It is actually. It is actually for him. And so Jesus replies in a really interesting way to this expert in law with this story. And Jesus says this. In reply, Jesus said, A man... A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, I don't want you to miss this very important part of the story. This man was left half dead. So I don't know really how you're half dead. I thought you were either alive or you're dead. It was, it's one or the other. But this man isn't dead. But what the text is pointing to is he is laying there motionless, alive, but he appears dead. Now this is really important. And this man in this story is probably a Jew. And he's probably traveling on a road where there's lots of robbers and actually people being killed and left on the side of the road is very normal. And so this is not something that's uncommon. So the expert in the law hears this and he's like, I've been on that road. That road is dangerous and there's people who are robbed and beaten and left for dead there all the time. Now this man, if no one intervenes, he will die. 
As the text says, he is half dead. Well, Jesus goes on and he says this. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So he actually sidesteps him and walks around on the other side to not get so close to him. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now this is very important in our story. You see, the expert in the law is the audience that Jesus is sharing this story with. And see, for him, a priest and a Levite. A priest is the closest to God. Can enter the Holy of Holies in the temple. A priest is God's man. He is the peak of religious. And the Levite, that was the priestly line. So it's kind of like saying there was a priest and a guy who's going to be a priest. And what do they do? This is so important. They don't just walk by the guy and kind of go, whoa, that's bad. They actually see him and they adjust their path and they walk completely around him. Now, if you were thinking about it, the religious people, the people that are closest to God. They see a man laying on the side of the road. They would be the obvious people, right? It seems like they would be the obvious ones. But you see, what Jesus says is the obvious people take a pass. They take a pass. They walk completely around them. Now there's reasons probably for this. As I said, this man probably appears to be dead. He's probably motionless. And you see priests and Levites, they don't want to be ceremonially unclean. And touching a dead corpse would make them unclean. But you see, there's a problem. They don't know for sure if he's dead. And so what they did is they chose their status. They chose their life, what they wanted, how they were seen. And they said, I can't even walk over and see if he's alive. It puts me at risk. You see, Jesus is saying in this question of who is my neighbor, is you see, the problem is we don't see the dead people on the side of the road, all we see is ourselves and what we want. Now here's the hard thing to stomach about this story. Is if you're in church today, we're religious people, aren't we? We're religious people. I'm a religious person. I'm seen by people Because I follow Jesus as an obvious person. But you see, I've been that obvious person who has taken a pass. You're back when I was about 22 years old. God was really doing some things in my life. Like I'd been so far from him. 
And man, when I found him, like my life began to completely change. And I was so excited about what he was doing on the inside of me. He even brought a beautiful brunette into my life and my wife. Like, that's the greatest gift I've ever been given, by the way. I mean, it was amazing. My life was skyrocketing. It was going so well. And I had a group of friends that I'd hung with all through high school. And there was this one guy that every time when, when I was around them, like I, it, was, it was like I just knew this guy needed something. Like he struggled in so many ways. He struggled with alcohol and he was really alone. You could just feel the darkness. And so every time I was around him, I thought, man, God, maybe you want me to do something. But you know, my life was really going well. I didn't have time. I had, I had all these good things going on. And so I heard that voice and I kind of ignored it. I would think about it when we were kind of at a party or something with them. And then on weekends, when I knew that all of our kind of group had been married except him, and he was probably all alone, I thought so many times, I was like, God, I, I need to reach out to him. But I never did. You see, I was that religious person. There was a man laying half dead on the road, and I was walking around him. And you know, I thought about that so many times, but I never did anything until about two months after I got married to my wife, Jenny. And I get a phone call from one of my friends that said our mutual friend had died alone, suddenly. Man, when that happened, my heart sunk. Have you ever felt regret like that? You see, when I felt that and I went to his funeral, I sat there in a pew and I cried. And I cried because it felt like it was my fault. You see, I'd walked around a half-dead man, and now there was nothing I could do. Man, I had to pray about that for a year. And I didn't tell anybody about it. It was too scary to talk about. But you know, the thing that God did inside of me is he told me it wasn't all up to me. But for me, I felt like he pressed on me. Never forget what that feels like. Never walk around someone when my spirit prompts you to go to them. You know, I can't help but think as I share that story Maybe you have a story a little bit like that. Maybe it's a relative who you knew that you know you, you could have shared with, but you just didn't do it. And I want you to know that there is grace and there is forgiveness in Jesus. Like God's not holding that over you, and I want to tell you whatever, it's not your fault. But you see, this parable is something for all of us to say that you can't be like I was. Wrapped up in all the good things God was doing in my life, all the kingdoms that were I was building for myself. And I sidestepped and I walked around someone who needed 
an act of service, who needed a friend, who needed someone to reach out. Man, that's like the hard part of this parable. And so today I think God is putting someone in your heart right now who you need to share with this week. God has given each and every one of us someone in our life who is struggling, who's laying on the side of the road, half dead, and we are the gospel of Jesus living in their lives. We can't afford to walk around them. You know, the good news is, is this parable doesn't end there. You know, I thought that was enough, honestly, but Jesus shows us the way, the one-at-a-time way. And so what we see is the obvious people took a pass, right? The obvious people walked around. I've been one of those obvious people that should have saved, and I walked around. But Jesus says there's another part to this story. It says this in Luke 10, 33. It says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Now, this Samaritan, now a lot of us, as I said, we've heard the story of the good Samaritan. But you see, when the expert in the law would have heard Jesus say, but a Samaritan, the expert in the law as a Jew despised the Samaritans. You see, the Samaritans did not believe that all of the Old Testament scriptures were scripture. So the Jews looked down on them as like they don't even believe in God the right way. They didn't believe that you needed to worship in Jerusalem. And then this marrying people outside of the Jewish, it was no big deal. And Samaritans would do this, and so they despised and hated the Samaritans. And so when this expert in the law heard Jesus say this, it got his attention really quickly. And as Jesus unravels this story of this Samaritan walking over, not worrying about how he's seen, not worried about if this man that's laying on the side of the road is a Jew, he probably hates the Samaritan. He walks over to him and he takes care of him. He realizes he's only half dead, that he's still alive. And so he bandages his wounds, he puts him on his donkey, he takes him to a hotel, and he puts him up on his own dime. You see, Jesus is pointing to this reality for the expert in the law and for us today. Is the not-so-obvious person does the obvious and more. Now, you see, this is the power of following Jesus is it's the power of the not-so-obvious person. You know, I want you to think about what is happening. Like, in our culture, in our world, people are turning to the obvious people to solve all of our problems, right? 
we think it's like politicians and people in power. They're terrible at solving problems. Have you noticed that? They don't help people, really. What Jesus is pointing to is the kingdom of God is upside down. It is found in the not-so-obvious people that understand that as they walk along their path, that there are going to be people lying on the side of the road. And for that Samaritan, it was obvious what he should have done. Because he saw the person. He saw the need. He saw the opportunity. You see, that is at the core of what this one-at-a-time lifestyle is all about that Jesus points to. You see, I don't think Jesus is calling you to solve these big problems of poverty, of hunger, all the things that we see on the news that we can't do anything about. But what he is calling us to do is notice the people along our path who are laying half dead, who are struggling, who are hurting, and we jump into action. You see, this conversation doesn't help people, but what the Samaritan did does. And it unlocks the kingdom of God for people. You know, the amazing thing that's happened here at Pathway Church over the last few weeks, this just blew my mind this week, was that we've already seen over 3,000, I believe, acts of service happen. It was over 2,000 like a week ago. And it's just going crazy. And what it is, is it's all people, it's not like real theological or anything, right? It's not like we're sitting there like, what do we do? It's we look at our lives. We know the word of God and what Jesus calls us to do. We see the opportunity and we obey what God calls us to do. And you know what's amazing, and I believe all great movements in world history always start with the not-so-obvious people. And you know who I think is leading this movement in our church? is the students and the kids. Like, if you think you did a lot of acts of service over the last two weeks, I met a young man who he wrote on his card last week, 22. Like, how many is that per day he was doing? And when I asked him, I said, how many, how, like, what were you doing? He goes, well, I brought apples for all the teachers one day. I was like, man, that's awesome. He said there was a friend that I that there was a friend that people have been being mean to, and he's been having to sit at the lunch table all by himself. So you know what I thought Jesus would have me do? I went and sat with him. Is that obvious? Is that seeing people who are struggling on the side of the road? Like, this is not complex. Our adult brains get in the way of what God wants us to do. And that's why a childlike faith will lead us. You know, it's been so inspiring to see our students in all their areas as they celebrate these acts of service. It's way easier for them than it is for me. Because my head gets in the way. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like that Pharisee. I'm like that expert in the law. And I'm like, Jesus, show me who I'm supposed to help. Who's my neighbor? But you see, they're not like that. They're like the Samaritan. It's anyone that's along the path. 
You know, I think for you and I, when we get hung up on questions like this, like the expert in the law, and maybe it isn't the question of, you know, who is my neighbor? But it's this question. I think for those of us who follow Jesus is how do I know what God wants me to do? You know, that's not a bad question. But isn't it funny how that question, when I've asked it so many times, I'm looking for something big, and I miss the people who are laying on the side of the road. You see, that was the story of my friend who needed me to serve him, to love him one at a time. As I was so focused on where does God want me to go? What does he want me to do? And I think Jesus was like, he would have been a great place to start. I'll show you. You see, when the Holy Spirit speaks and we act, and powerful things happen as we do it, one person at a time, one conversation at a time, one act of service at a time. You know, Jesus... He looked at the man, the expert in the law, after he rolled this story out. And he asked him this. He said, which of these three, the Levite, the priest, or the Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? You see, even the expert in the law knew. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And you know what Jesus told him and he tells us today? Go and do likewise. And that is so simple. It's so simple. But it's so powerful. I want you to think and I want you to reflect right now, no matter where you're at, you have somebody in your life who you are like they are laying on the side of the road. You know, I don't want you to think, oh, I don't know anybody. No, you know somebody. Like you do. Every person has one person. You got one person. You know, I'm going to double down a little bit. Because I think so many times we move past this moment. I want you to really think, who is that person? And now as that person comes to mind, you may get lost and think, but I don't know what to do. And I think Jesus looks at each and every one of us and he says this, do the obvious one at a time. There is something that is obvious that you can do for that person. And you see, you don't know where that's going to end, but it has to start. That's the thing is we have to start, and that's what one at a time is about. That's how people's lives are changed. It's as we take Jesus' words seriously and we put them into practice. You know, I have a person that I've thought of this week. 
every time I close my eyes and pray and I think, who is that person? I'm like, oh, I, Jesus is like, oh, you already know. And so I want to tell you this week, I'm not going to do what I've done in the past and walk around. I'm going to be the Samaritan, the good Samaritan. I'm going to walk to that person this week like I hope all of you will as well. But you know, I know to do that, we need God's help. And so I want to invite all of you right now to bow your heads with me no matter where you're at as we pray. And we really ask God for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and for him to guide us as we live this one-at-a-time lifestyle that Jesus points to. God, we know today that as we come to you, that God, we confess that God, there are moments, there are times that we were the obvious people and we took a pass. God, we know right now we confess that to you. That God, there were some obvious things that we didn't do. But God, we know because you're an all-powerful God, that God, it wasn't all on us. But God, I pray right now that your spirit would convict us that we need to grow, we need to change. And we don't want to be like the priest and the Levite, the religious people. God, we want to be people who have a heartbeat that is your heartbeat. That God, that we would see the people who are laying on the side of the road in our lives, the people who are struggling, the people who are depressed, the people that just need some encouragement and people that are far from you. That God, I pray that you would be bringing them to our minds right now. And God, as you bring them to our minds, that God, that we would do the obvious this week. That we would find an act of service where we could serve them and love them. We would send them a text message. We would have a conversation with them. And God, we are going to be the people who walk to them and not around them. And so today, if that's you and you're willing to walk to someone this week, I want you to declare that to God by raising your hand and saying, God, I need your help. I commit that I will walk to someone this week as the Samaritan did. Awesome, so many hands. Let me pray for all of you. Father, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters, God, who have committed to living that one-at-a-time lifestyle that Jesus shows us. God, we pray for your spirit to guide us and give us the courage to lay our kingdoms down, our agendas down, and do the obvious one at a time this week. God, we know that through those actions that your spirit will give life to people. And so, God, we're grateful that we get to be a part of your kingdom that is full of the not-so-obvious people doing the obvious. God, I also know today that there's many here and there's many watching this that they feel like they're laying half-dead on the side of the road. They feel the weight, they feel the weight of the sin and the shame and the guilt in their lives. And today they know that their step they need to take is to accept Jesus to be the leader and the savior of their life. I want you to know that Jesus sees you. He sees you right where you're at and he has come to walk to you and to save you 
today. And so if you would like to accept the gift of grace and forgiveness that Jesus offers you today, I just want to invite you to simply pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that I have fallen short and my sin and my shame and my guilt has separated me from you. But today, Jesus, I lay those things down and I grab hold of the grace and the forgiveness that you offer me through your perfect sacrifice that you made on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and live the life that is truly life that is only found in you. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, no matter where you're at, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I just want to invite you to declare that decision to God by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for the decision that you made. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer for the very first time. Raise your hand right now. Awesome. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for my new brothers and sisters who have accepted the grace and the forgiveness and the new way to live that Jesus offers today. God, we pray that your spirit would guide them like you guide all of us to live a life that is simply listening to your word and obeying. God, we pray that through our simple acts, through the simple way of following you that you have laid out for us, God, that, Lord, that the world would be changed, but it would be changed through the people that we find along our path. God, we're grateful for what you've done for us, and we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.